0: Greetings and welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and many others. Episodes of the podcast also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. Again, that is PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. And today we're excited to be joined by Keith Hare, who is the president and CEO of the Virginia Healthcare Association and the Virginia Center for Assisted Living, a member organization for nursing homes and assisted living facilities in the Commonwealth. Keith is also a former Deputy Health and Human Resources Secretary in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Today we'll be chatting about the impact of COVID-19 in the nursing home community and more. But first, welcome to the program, Keith.
1: Well, well thank you, Julian, and it's an absolute pleasure to to be with you today and you know one thing that you forgot to mention is I'm also an alumni of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association it's really how I came to the Commonwealth 20 years ago and um, if it wasn't for just you know some incredible leaders at that organization um, I wouldn't be fortunate enough to be able to work with providers across the Commonwealth for the last 20 years and so I just always um, will always owe you know my career to the Hospital Association
0: Well, it's good of you to say that. I was aware of that, but I didn't want to get too insider, so I omitted that. But I'm glad you added it. (laughs) So as we mentioned, the Virginia Healthcare Association, the Virginia Center for Assisted Living, represents hundreds of nursing and assisted living facilities in Virginia that are home to thousands of older residents and patients, many of whom may be medically vulnerable or fragile. I think most people, Keith, know that the pandemic was particularly challenging for residents and staff in congregate care settings. It's important to note that Virginia is fortunate that despite the serious challenges faced by providers across the continuum of care in dealing with COVID-19, that the difficulties encountered here were not as severe as they were in some other states that were particularly hard hit. With that background, Keith, as you look back at the past year, what observations and insights can you share about the challenges encountered and overcome by your members in the nursing home and assisted living community?
1: Well, the first thing is I just I'm incredibly proud of of the caregivers and and the residents for everything that they've been through. Everybody's been hard hit by the pandemic, but the you know the main thing is that you know they've really persevered um, through some really you know tragic situations. You know, this time last year we were really trying to get our arms around you know what this pandemic would mean. Um, the, the thought of Testing residents and nursing homes, all residents, even though they were asymptomatic, um, was something that we had not come to grips with. And now that's something that is required, you know, either monthly or twice a week or, or even once a week um, by the federal government. And, you know, when we think about the challenges with PPE. Um, this time last year, we had facilities that were out buying, you know, paid coveralls um, to use as PPE. We never thought that, you know, N95 masks would, you know, the possibility that they would be cleaned um, and, and that you could reuse them. We had, you know, facilities that had large outbreaks that, you know, that were really in desperate need of gowns. But, you know, we had these, well, we had caregivers that continued to go into work, even though they didn't have the tools to, to really fight this War and and to help the residents the way they needed to. So you know, for me, I always think back to the early days of the pandemic and just really how far we've come. You know, with what we know about the virus and the ability to really protect the residents that
0: are in the facilities. And that's great perspective about the commitment and dedication and sacrifice of the of the caregivers in the nursing home setting and in other healthcare settings who really were on the front lines dealing with the patients impacted by this virus. So appreciate you sharing that point of view. You talked about the impact on, on your members. I wonder for your organization, how did this emerging pandemic shift the way that you and your team have to operate and function to respond to the emerging challenges?
1: I mean, quite honestly, up until recently, it's the only thing that our staff focuses on. Um, and we have to because, you know, being partners with the government, being partners um, with other providers, which is, you know, included all of the hospitals in the state, the, you know, the physician community. We can't say enough about what the state and the federal government have done, you know, and the lo- and local governments through the health departments, you know, to support um, these facilities. You know, nursing homes and, and assisted living providers, um, you know, I mean this in the best possible way, they provide amazing care, but they're not, you know, it's a post-acute care setting. It's not an acute care setting. And so their ability when this pandemic began, they just didn't have PPE um, and they didn't have the facilities to separate residents the way we know they need to now to ensure that things don't spread. And so all of that training, all of the additional regulation that goes into that, um, the increased cost for these facilities to take care of the residents is, you know, our members look to us to help them, you know, move through, um, you know, the pandemic. And so, We've done that, obviously, you know, through working, you know, closely with our members because we don't want to ask for things from the government and from other stakeholders that they don't need. Um, but that's really, you know, been what we have done 24-7. And I don't, you know, that's not an exaggeration because all providers are working 24-7. And so the association has an obligation to do that too on their behalf. So, you know, we hope to get back to, like everybody, get back to normal um, sooner rather than later, but we're still very much in the pandemic, um, you know, our... But our focus right now is really on ensuring that, you know, we get to 70 percent of all individuals and in nursing facilities, both residents and staff, that are vaccinated. So, um, you know, those can become the incredibly safe places for family to visit their loved ones.
0: And I'm glad you mentioned vaccinations because that's something I want to get to in just a moment. But before we do, uh, one point you made I want to tease out just a, a second. You talked about the distinction that many of your member facilities are post-acute care uh, and I think that's important for people to understand. And in that light, I wonder if you could uh, sort of help differentiate for the listener the difference between nursing home, which is a term that often gets generically applied to medically supportive residential facilities for old individuals, but that term is sort of broad, and I think people use it generically for assisted living, for skilled nursing, for other residential care settings, uh, and some facilities may have different units within them that, that offer different levels of support. So for the uninitiated, can you just give a little bit of a summary or overview about the differentiation or the distinction between those different types of uh, facilities or, or units within a facility?
1: Sure. Um, you know, the easy way to understand it is, and, you know, we've all I think, you know, most individuals have had family members who have, you know, been in a post-acute care setting, and so, you know, nursing homes are are um, the places to where if you break a hip or you break a knee, um, and you might have, you know, a couple of comorbidities, maybe high blood pressure, you might be recovering from a stroke. You would go there and receive, you know, rehabilitative care. Um, you would go through therapy. You know, we would hope that it wouldn't be more than 30 days, but it could be up to 100 days. Um, and that's traditionally paid for by Medicare. That really makes up the majority. Um, 70% of those individuals, you know, tend to, you know, go home after they receive their treatment. And then you also have a portion, a significant portion of the population, it's like the majority of individuals in a nursing home who are on Medicare. And that's your longer stay resident. Um, they, that's going to be over 100 days and many times many, many years of their life. And in Virginia, they are very sick individuals. They have a number of comorbidities they don't tend to be um, what we would call um they're non-ambulatory meaning that you know they need assistance to walk um if they're going to get out of bed so they're very very sick individuals um if you move to assisted living those are individuals that you know they have more functionality than than those that are in in, in nursing facilities they're going to need help with a number of things that, you know, we take for granted, you know, making sure that we take our medication, again, you know, needing um, probably some assistance, you know, with eating, but not near as much as the individuals that are in nursing home. And then kind of as you go down the continuum of care, you have independent living. And and those are individuals that, again, you know, they might have a comorbidity um, or or two, you know, they're able to take care of themselves very well. They might need someone to check in on them periodically, but health-wise, they're they're in really good shape. And so, that's really you know, when we talk about the post-acute care environment, those are kind of three of the main components. But you also have, you know, home health care that's that's in there also, and then also um, hospice. So, um, but again, you know, the main focus and the main treatments that are being provided are, are within assisted living and then, you know, nursing home level care.
0: Well, I appreciate that explanation. And let's now shift back to vaccinations. While the pandemic is still with us, as you mentioned, a lot of the current focus is on vaccination efforts. Residents and staff at nursing homes and healthcare workers were in the initial phase 1A vaccine priority population when the first doses began arriving in Virginia in December today. According to the latest numbers, more than 3.1 million doses have been administered in the Commonwealth. More than 1.1 million Virginians have received two doses and about one fourth of the state population has received um, at least one dose. Obviously, this is a complicated process with its own unique challenges, but I wonder how you would characterize the progress on vaccinations among your members and the planning and prep work that went into that ongoing process
1: well first i would say um that we're extremely um happy and and just grateful for the priority that the governor, you know, placed on those in nursing and assisted living um, communities. Um, you know, they were, as you mentioned, part of the 1A process. And the the other thing which a lot of, you know, people were not aware of is that there um, it was a federal partnership that was signed with CVS and Walgreens with the federal government to carry out clinics in um, both for all, every nursing center and every assisted living center in the Commonwealth. And Those are largely completed now. They had three clinics in each center. Um, It took around two months, which if you think that there's about 900 uh, nursing and assisted living centers across Virginia, is absolutely amazing that they conducted those um, clinics in in that period of time. And at the same time, they were also able to get to the majority of independent living providers, which was not a part of the initial contract. But when they recognized that many times those um, independent living providers on the same campus um, as assisted living and nursing centers, they were able to also include them. So really a Herculean effort that CVS and Walgreens undertook. And they did it, you know, largely, um, you know, without running into you know, any major speed bumps. And one of the reasons they were able to do that is because the Commonwealth put aside enough vaccine to ensure that when the clinics were you know, organized and scheduled, that the vaccine was there to be given to the residents and, and then also anyone who worked at a nursing or, or at a assisted living center, which was just absolutely fantastic.
0: Well, it's good to hear about that progress and the success of the pharmacy partnership initiative that you mentioned. And now that we've dealt with the technical stuff, Keith, I have a few other questions for you to give our listeners sure. a bit of a sense of who you are beyond the work you do. First, and this is an entirely imaginary premise, but in the hypothetical <laughs> scenario that you could anticipate your final day on earth, what would your last meal be?
1: what would my oh my gosh um i I love ribs um i'm 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 very simple so um i'm i love you know i'm from tennessee originally and so you know good memphis
0: ribs would absolutely be it okay my my wife actually got me a smoker for christmas so we've been experimenting with rib recipes so do do you you like a dry rub or do you like a a wet saucy rib I, i love a dry rub absolutely love a dry rub all right the next question for you keith is what's the top item on your bucket list Oh, on my bucket list. Oh my gosh.
1: Um, honestly, you know, in terms of travel, I've always wanted to um, go to Scotland and play golf with my dad and, and just spend and spend a week doing that.
0: Okay. Um, which, which tees are you hitting from these days?
1: Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting close to 50 and I would, I would take advantage of the senior tees. <laughs> um, I'm not hitting much at all to be fair. I haven't picked up the golf clubs in, in almost a year. And, and again, um, that's you know something I'm looking for when, when we have a little
0: bit more time uh, to do that. Okay, sounds like a good goal. And then finally, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. And I'm going to add one more caveat to this question specifically tailored for you. I'm going to restrict you from picking any album that includes Rocky Top. So, with those caveats, <laughs> what are your three entertainment survival kit picks?
1: And I want to make sure I've got this. I've got one book, one album, and, and I apologize. And a movie. A and a movie. Um, so I, I love the, the book, The Junction Boys, which is you're going to laugh. It's about Bear Bryant, who's um, the longtime coach at, at Alabama, mm-hmm. and for a Tennessee person to say that um, is is big. But it's about his first team at Texas A&M. Um, it's just a, you know absolutely. You know, phenomenal book. If you're if you're a sports fan, the
0: they movie, turn that they turned that into
1: a movie, didn't they? They, they did turn it into a movie, but like most um, in most cases, the book is is far better. And um, I'm going to continue the sports theme, which just kind of tells you where my where my interest lies. I absolutely um, love the the movie Field of Dreams. But baseball
0: has marked the time. This field. This game. It's a part of our past Ray it reminds us of all that once was good and it could be again oh people will come Ray people will most definitely come it's a classic um, which
1: yeah which just goes back to you know just being a, a long time you know love of baseball um gosh album that 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 is really tough um I, it, it's this is everybody's gonna go who is this band but um almost any album by a band that I've listened to for years and years called Jupiter Coyote years
0: ago a brown I stared at the mantelpiece piece wondered how the ship got in the bottle when it tried to find
1: Started listening to them in, in college, and, and candidly, because if I listen to them, that probably means it's a sunny day and the windows are down, and you know, and I'm in a good mood. So, um, but if I'm stranded on a desert island, that's you know, and I've got to pick one. That's it. Uh, but um, my, you know, my musical tastes are just, you know, I'm, I'm from Nashville, so obviously I can go, you know, country if you need me to. Also,
0: okay. Well, listen, I appreciate you joining us today and spending a few minutes with us and, and sharing your thoughts and views. And with that, that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. And we want to once again thank our guest, Keith Hare, the president and CEO, uh, the Virginia Healthcare Association, Virginia Center for Assisted Living, and alum of VHAJ. Thanks for being with us today, Keith.
1: Well, thank you, Julian. Thanks for you know all you and the... Hospital Association does for the patients in the Commonwealth.